0: Welcome to the AFR Ratings Podcast. We 8-rap. My name is Pete. And I'll the name of AFR Ratings, Pete, on Twitter. I'd like to welcome in co-host Aaron Burwens. How are you, Aaron?
1: Hey, Pete. I'm good. Uh, it's been a fun little year in South Australia with the Crows and the Power, putting on some good performances, and we had another thriller today with the Bombers in town. So, yeah, it's been a, a good good month in Adelaide.
0: Okay. okay you did cover uh, the Port Adelaide versus Essendon game at the Adelaide Oval on Sunday, so Uh, Essendon started strong through the middle of the ground, Port Adelaide remained in the game, but were wasteful through the middle part of that game, and the power just holding on late to win.
1: Yeah, it's a funny old game. I think Port Adelaide were clearly the better team across all four quarters, but Essendon certainly were around the mark for the majority of it, which is kind of the tale of their last month. You know, they, they knock off Melbourne in a surprising fashion in Adelaide during gather round, and then competitive against Collingwood, competitive against Geelong, but just not quite good enough. They're almost that step away and and Port Adelaide outclassed them in in the bigger moments. I think their delivery inside 50, their ball movement from the back half was just better, but their inaccuracy kind of left the door open, similar to Adelaide and Collingwood the week prior, you know, 12 goals, 20, essentially kept Essendon in it. And um, I honestly thought in the final stages that the Bombers would actually get there. And then Rioli kicks a, a majestic goal, darting and weaving in the 50 to kind of put them up Uh, and and Essendon, yeah, just unable to answer back in the dying stages. So, yeah, it felt like Port Adelaide was certainly the better team, and and now they've got this incredible run over the next month where they have a Friday night game against Melbourne in two weeks' time, but otherwise they've got some very easy matchups. So I wouldn't be surprised, you know, Port have won five in a row now, and and they could, you know, hopefully they win three of the next four, and they're they're pushing themselves forward as a real contender.
0: Yeah, just a couple of close results for Port Adelaide too. Like, it just seems as though, if you head back a few weeks ago, uh, Is that Sydney game where it looked like the ball was going through for a goal and just holds up in the wind, and all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're on a roll.
1: Yeah, it's funny that that um, you know, after three rounds, a lot of us had kind of thought that they weren't living up to the hype, and and whether that's chemistry or, you know, on reflection, uh, the loss to Collingwood was pretty embarrassing by 70 points, but the Adelaide one in the showdown, the, the Crows are up and about as well. So those two teams there, the you know, one of the better sides in the league, and Port Adelaide didn't get it done, and they're one and two, and. And then, yeah, it's literally a sliding doors moment against Sydney, where if they lost that, you know, there would have been a ton of pressure in town, and and maybe that deflates them. But all of a sudden, they've got this immense belief, and they're playing for each other, and they're having fun and enjoying their footy, and and we're seeing different stars pop up, you know, from week on week. But they've got a lot of depth with their match winners, so uh, I'm not, you know, overly sold yet if they're, you know, better than a Brisbane, a Melbourne, and a Geelong. But I think that you look at the top four at the moment and. And Port Adelaide could probably be competitive against the ones that are in there right now. So, I mean, they've, they've beaten St Kilda and they've beaten Brisbane. So, um, they certainly have an argument to say they deserve to be in the conversation.
0: Yeah, certainly. Get healthy. Uh, hopefully, win enough games to qualify for top four. They're right in that uh, chance right now to qualify in that top of the top half of the ladder. And, uh, yeah, give yourself a chance, get the healthy list going, and who knows what happens uh, in the final. So uh, let's move on to uh, a couple of plays in this game. Is Zach Merritt and Darcy Parrish were dominant through the middle of the grand early, and their clear- centre clearances were just destroying Port Adelaide early.
1: Yeah, I think that was the best aspect of the Bombers' performance. Sam Draper really capitalised on the lack of, I guess, uh, an experienced Ruckman in the middle when you've got Brent Teekel who's still learning and and Jeremy Firmason who's almost more a fourth midfielder. So Merritt and Parrish got silver service and they certainly fought at times for the footy as well. But uh, a lot of the centre clearances were were quite easy for us and and the nice little handball chains and, and then exits between those two. And Yeah, it felt like they were the dominant players of the afternoon uh, between them. And and the tackling pressure was there as well from both of them. And, you know, it's it's a funny one, Darcy Parrish, you know, Mason Redmond in a similar sense that there's two guys that have kind of taken that next step this year and both are out of contract. And and Mm -hmm. SNN have a war chest waiting to try and, you know, obviously hold them. But I wouldn't be surprised if if you see Parrish move considering the amount of interest he'll gather. And
0: just back on uh, the Ruck situation there and Sandro Draper earlier for the Bombers there, I just wonder if Ken Hinckley just sort of revisits uh, Lysette in the Ruck and maybe change up that Ruck structure because, you know, any type of quality team, well, like the Bombers have been pretty good this season, but, you know, they could have been put away pretty early in that game. Um, but, you know, Paul just hold on, held on. But, uh, yeah, I just wonder if Ken Hinkley revisits that Ruck situation there.
1: I think it's going to depend week on week. Uh, if they've got, you know, for example, in two weeks' time, Melbourne, I think they have to play someone like a Scott Lysett purely because, you know, both Grundy and Gaw and are ruckmen that can not only win hitouts comfortably, but they can crumb their own footy and and they actually get around the ground. And that's what Draper was, you know, he found plenty of it himself alongside his beautiful map ruck work. And then you've got other teams that they'll play where, you know, when they match up against Richmond in three weeks' time, if they still have Samson Ryan running, they probably won't mind using Tickle and Finlayson. I still think Scott Lystead's past it. He's he's probably, you know, he's there purely to be a big-man experienced ruckman who knows where to put himself, but I don't think he's a match winner anymore, and I I do think Port Adelaide look better with Finlayson in the middle. They they seem to win Mm. a lot more clearances, but they're going to have to pick and choose depending on their opponent because they they can't afford to give away as many hit-outs as they did today with Sam Draper in the ruck.
0: And just on the Port Adelaide midfield there, so Zach Butters held strong early, and he was part of the reason Port Adelaide remained in that game, and the class of Connor Rosie uh, was important late.
1: Yeah, I think I mentioned it post-game, that it's, it's really exciting that, you know, if this is almost the last dance of Kent Hinkley and some of his old charges, that the transition phase of Port Adelaide will be very quick, and I can't see them dropping off at all, because the future is really bright. Butters, Rosie, and Horn Francis all found plenty of the footy, and... You know, you'd love those three as your starting midfield in any team right now, um, especially those at the bottom end. So, um, Butters had an AC joint injury in the preseason. It it really limited his impact in the first three rounds. But in the past five, he's absolutely dominated. He's averaging 27 touches a game and um, he's a match winner at his best. And he even topped a knock late um, in the the final quarter and still was able to to play out the contest and just reckon he had a corky, So, no dramas there, but yeah he's starting to really impose himself on the game now that he's kind of fit and firing
0: okay let's get up to a fantasy rep in that game so 120 points from zach Merritt. so uh, probably doesn't have a high ownership in fantasy season long so uh, probably one to consider especially if he's getting no attention there
1: and he's consistent i think that's the main thing you know he's only had one score under 100 so he's, he's very reliable when we talk about ton run players and He's actually lost a fair, uh, not a fair bit, but about 40k in price. So he's, you know, he's still underpriced priced at 900k. But the issue is that there's a lot of good options around him. Um, I mean, you won't go wrong picking him as a premium option. But um, it is funny in the round that we've just had. Um, you know, 120 isn't actually that incredible. <laughs> so it's just, um, you know, he had a good week. He had a very well rounded performance and. To be honest, once they get through Brisbane next week, um, the draw opens right up for them. I mean, Richmond, West Coast, North Melbourne, Carlton, he'll score good against all four of those sides. So um, maybe he is one that you look at getting in a couple of weeks' time. Onto Darcy
0: Parish, 117 points. So same boat as Zach Merritt. Probably not high ownership and one to consider.
1: Yeah, I think same kind of prospect in that, you know, he is very reliable to basically reach 100. His two lowest scores, 94, 96, and probably a slightly bit cheaper, but. Um, you know, he's one of those ones you probably wish he'd started with. And now where he's at, um, yeah, he is an elite premium option. Um, and probably more of a disposal winner than a tackler. I think Merritt's more all-round. And Parrish is certainly an accumulator. So, um, yeah, again, great draw coming up, scoring well. Um, it's not a huge gamble to bring him in like it used to be in the past. I think he's pretty reliable. On to Zach
0: Butters. You mentioned he had that shoulder concern early in pre-season season uh, 111 points for him and uh, a couple of solid weeks for him.
1: Yeah, I think now's the time to possibly get on. And I, I mentioned this; it doesn't reflect well after this round. But I mentioned Joshua Shelley, you know, a couple of weeks ago. I got him in purely because, um, you know, when you look at the forward line, a bloke that can average over 80 consistently is actually pretty good this year. And unfortunately, it dropped to 27 over the weekend, which killed me. But Zach Butters is kind of in that vein that you know he can score anywhere from 80 to 110. But you know he's going to find a lot of the footy now. And the first three rounds, as I mentioned, just wipe them. So the 89, the 59, the 60, don't worry about it. He was injured. He was still building. The role wasn't there. But now he is an elite midfield option for Port Adelaide. And, you know, if he's going from 80 to 110 um, at the price that he's at, which is, you know, basically low 700s, um, it's probably worth getting on. He'll make a fair bit. And if he does continue to grow and become the elite footballer we were hoping for at the start of the season – and he ends up averaging 95 to 100, then you've had a winner. And if he stays around the 80 mark, you don't lose out much either, and, and he gets you to the buys. They, they've got a really good run, as I mentioned, You know, North, Richmond, and Hawthorne, three of the next four. So uh, I think I'm actually going to look at getting him in this week purely because he's just affordable. Uh,
0: next one here. So Connor Rosie, uh, 96 points, worked hard, uh, classy in the end, but worked hard for that score.
1: Yeah, I think um, he probably... <laughs> Played better than the score reflected, to be honest. Um, And again, you know, he's he's going to average 100 by the end of the year. We've spoken on him a couple of times, and he does fluctuate at times between, you know, whether it's an 80 or as high as 133. But um, he's just a great player, and and I can't see him really dropping off um, and and posting woeful scores anytime soon, unless he he manages to gather an injury. Because yeah, he's put out loads. Best midfielder. He's doing so well that he's essentially wiped Ollie Wines off the map, which is. Quite intriguing. Um, So yeah, if you own him, you know he's very safe and reliable. And if you don't, um, I still think he's a top six mid uh, forward by the end of the year. So you probably should get him in.
0: Yeah, and a couple of decent scores recently as well from Jason Horn. Francis he scores ninety six points also.
1: Yeah, I I started the year with Jason. I remember speaking to you round one about how impressed I was with his performance and, and that he was certainly a future of the game. And then he kind of dropped off the map a bit with some really low scores and. I find this a really awkward one now he has had a really good run with the 98-96 his break even is going to be low he's incredibly affordable but I just feel like he's going to burn you at points he probably is more of a 70s player and he's he's had a couple of really good games North Melbourne this coming weekend is going to be really intriguing because mm. obviously there's a lot of history there and there'll be a, plenty in the build up but um, I, I still feel like maybe he's a next year player like he's, he's not a top six forward Um he may make you money if he continues the way that he's going but there's still going to be games where he just disappears for a couple of quarters. Um, you know, he plays incredible footy, and that's not a knock on him. He's in a second year of his, you know, playing career. He's going to be great, but you can't rely on 90 every week. He's just not going to give you that.
0: Uh, let's go on to a round eight fantasy rep. Uh, some notable scores here, and it was a monster scoring week for quarter few. So let's start off with Friday night. Josh Dunkley, 172 points. So he matches up against Patrick Cripps in the midfield uh, for Brisbane and works off Crips and just gets it done uh, with 172 points.
1: Yeah, the quad double, the uh, the 10 kicks, 10 marks, 10 handballs, 10 tackles, it was an all-round performance. Chris Wagan said one of the best games he's ever seen and, and it reflected that in his score and surprisingly champion didn't actually rate him that highly but um I thought he was incredibly impressive the way that he got around the ground and, and picked up a lot of his uncontested footy and certainly fought for it and I think the common theme across the weekend, you know, the fact that we saw so many 150 plus scores is, is a lot of it is the marking. There was a lot of times where teams really controlled the footy and, and Josh Dunkley certainly found himself in spaces to be able to take the 11 marks that he did. So, um, yeah, 172 was incredible. I wasn't sure how high he was going to go. And it was, um, it was quite infuriating as someone who, I mean, I couldn't imagine what it's like if he didn't have Marshall last week and then missed out on Dunkley this week. I thankfully had Marshall, but just couldn't. Capitalize on Dunkley this week, but um, this will shape, you know, the top 100. You know, the, the the coaches that were able to get both of those players are, are off, and I don't, I think those that missed out on both are they're probably this seasons probably done from here. Like it's, it's that dramatic of a swing.
0: On to the next one here. So again, Patrick Cripps was well shut out by Josh Dunkley, and one of those players to get to work again was Adam Cheros So 130 points for him, and a nice string of uh, scores for him.
1: Yeah, incredible. He's 130 plus in his last three is massive. And the best part about it all is he's doing it with Walsh back. It's almost made it better. I think Walsh is playing more half forward and Cher is certainly, you know, more in the middle, which is incredibly exciting for him. Um, you know, I, I didn't think he had the the capabilities to consistently pull out scores like that. And he, he still feels a little volatile when you look at the rest of the way that he started the year. But, um, and Carlton needs to change something. I mean, their their ball movement is horrendous right now. So, I'm not sure if structurally how this setting up is going to stay. Michael Voss, you know, will, will make changes, but, um, it's working for Cher at the moment. His break even is going to be incredibly low. So if you are looking for, you know, you can't quite reach the 900k primo, um, you know, he, maybe he's the stepping stone that gets you there. Uh, over
0: to Richmond versus West Coast, and we'll wrap up a couple of plays here in one hit. So, Shai Bolton, uh, 137 points. Uh, he ran through that midfield and was just finding plenty of ball all day. And then Tim Taranto, 117 points. It was a very quiet start. He got there in the end.
1: Yeah, it was a disgusting game, to be honest. It felt like watching ice kickers out there. Um, Richmond didn't capitalize on West Coast at all, and, and Taranto was looking dire earlier. i I'd captained him and he only had 14 or something a quarter time. And you thought, Gee, he thought, she he just disappeared. He had a fair bit of attention put on him by Jinbi. And um, yeah, wasn't sure if he was going to be able to actually make the ton. And he, he had a really big flurry late. A couple of goals really helped with that as well. And and Shea Bolt capitalized on that as well. That there's just not a lot of pressure from West Coast these days. And I don't think that makes Shea Bolt a fantasy prospect, maybe in a draft sense. But, you know, he's had one good game this year. It doesn't really make him anywhere, you know reliable as a forward. Um, But, yeah, Taranto continues his tonne run uh, in Oliver, the last two left. So, um, yeah, again, a very reliable player, and I can't believe Kane Corns doesn't think he's in the top 150 because, you know, he's the only reason that Richmond is still competitive these days.
0: On to the next game here. It was Geelong versus Adelaide. So the Crows in that game for a, a stack and, you know, they had their chances late in that game. And Jordan Dawson, a very important role, obviously through the midfield again, and his his involvement from clearances into score involvements into you know directing that ball inside fifty is quite important. So he scores 116 points.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. He's Adelaide's best player right now. Like he he has he eclipsed Laird comfortably. And Rory Laird had a big score as well, but a lot of that was his tackles. He actually had you know very little influence on the game and, and was very low with his disposal count. Jordan Dawson, meanwhile, is the complete package. the, the midfield switch has worked immensely for him, um, to the point, yeah, where he he's clearly, I'd probably say, the best defender in the game. I mean, Nick Dacos is right around him, and unfortunately, you know, Dacos didn't have a great day today against the Swans. He was always going to get tagged by Clark, and, and finally someone was able to, you know, keep him down to a low-ish score. Um, Dawson, meanwhile, yeah, he just feels old reliable. <laughs> he's he's you know the general for the Crows and um, at some point someone's going to have to put some attention into him but even when they do he just rotates back so um, yeah I, I think he's the all-round athlete
0: on to Gold Coast versus Melbourne and it was kind of a tough matchup for the Gold Coast midfield without Toot Miller and Noah Anderson's quiet start to his game 132 points he was outstanding
1: yeah I was actually really felt sorry for him by the end of it he gave absolutely everything to get the poor sons over the line and didn't really have a lot of support around him and um, he, he fought incredibly hard in that final term, and, and they probably should have got it done, to be honest. I, mean, I reckon if Marvia Chol gets that free kick and, and he has the shot instead of McPherson, it may have been a different result. But Noah Anderson's clearly capitalising on, on Turk Miller's absence. We, we thought maybe Fiorini would be the guy. He didn't quite set the world on fire, but, but still kind of reliable. Meanwhile, Anderson, like, he's had tonnes in his last five games, and his last two, he's gone 130-plus. Like This is... This is a real deal now. I think Noah Anderson. I spoke to Josh Franco today, who was, you know, spent some time at the Suns, and he reckons Anderson's a better prospect than Rao. I think, um, you know, the ceiling is so high for this kid because he just works so hard um, and has a bit more of a, a game sense rather than kind of a, a tackle orientated bull sense. So, um, I really like Noah Anderson. You know, the, the future is very bright because he's so young and still, you know, has a lot to grow with. But from a fantasy perspective. Um, he's going to get harder and harder to get now. Like, he's pushing towards 9.30, 9.40, and, mm. um, you know, he's worth the money, but those around him are probably, you know, a little bit more safer considering the state of the Suns.
0: Yeah, I, I upgraded uh, Will Setterfield to Noah Anderson uh, pre that game, so pretty happy with the result there. Massive uh,
1: result there. That's a 60-point swing for you. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, especially, obviously, uh, Brad Scott's changing around that Esther midfield, so that was one thing to take note of throughout the week and obviously last week there as well and then Noah Anderson, he's just so impressive uh, good balance inside, outside game uh, and can just absolutely rack up some points when required and he did that against a pretty tough matchup in Melbourne, a pretty good midfield so you know, imagine what's going to happen against a lesser type midfield there as well Let's move on to the next game here and this is one of the better games that you'll ever see uh, 170 points from Tom Green uh, he was Uh, probably one of the best games that we'll see this
1: year. Yeah, absolutely mental. Um, Very thankful that I started with him this year because he just keeps going up in price. He's made 145k and, um, yeah, he's an absolute monster. I mean, that game at Canberra was, he was just his positioning. Like, he's such a hard runner and we always knew he he manages to get, you know, 28-plus disposals and previously a lot of them were handballs. That's what we were always worried about from a fantasy perspective, but... He's just doing so much more now. Like He he seems to be at every single contest. He'll run... So he'll be at the original stoppage, he'll be involved in the chain that forces the exit, and then he'll keep running forward, and somehow, you know, across um, Saturday night against the Western Bulldogs, he he was able to be involved in so many score involvements as well to the point where he kicked three goals of his own. Uh, That that skyrockets him up towards that 170 because he's tackling, he's winning the footy, but not just handballs. he's, He's got plenty of kicks as well. And then he you know, has the cream on top, which is the goal scoring. So, um, and again, a very young player like Noah Anderson, who has the potential to be this next fantasy pig that, you know, he's a guy that if he gets 30 touches a game, like he, Walsh, Anderson, they're, they're going to be the guys that we look forward to over the next few years that are going to be our premium elite options. And just very thankful that this year we had the opportunity to get him in at such a low price because we'll, we'll never see him like that again. <laughs>
0: On to the next one here. So, Tim English, same game, 151 points. And the wet weather, like it was uh, pouring rain there stages in Canberra on Saturday night, the wet weather didn't bother him one little bit. Again, 151 points.
1: Yeah, 10 marks in the wet, not bad. Um, yeah, he, he's the clear front runner for the All-Australian Ruck, Tim English. Yeah. Um, just week on week in week out, he's consistently performing at an elite level. And it's, it's uh, unfortunately out of 99 last week because, yeah, he's clearly the best player in the game. And the ton run should belong to him, to be honest. Because whenever he scores highly, he just it's not just a casual hundred, he's always, you know, really smashing the door down. And uh, I'm unfortunately one of the owners who doesn't, who don't have him. And I'd love to get him in, but because he's doing so well, he, he's, you know, going to be the most expensive player in the game by the end of the, the, the by the time lockout lifts. So, um, if you have him, you know, congrats. And if you don't, um, it's going to get harder and harder from here. And maybe Rowan Marshall's ankle injury today plays a factor there that some people may get him in for Marshall. But, um, yeah, he looks good. I he doesn't look to be any worried about the injuries that plagued him in the preseason and, um, just continues to impose himself in so many ways, not just as a ruckman. And, and the run from here is pretty solid. I mean, Carlton, Adelaide, Gold Coast, Geelong, they're, they're all teams that, Whilst, you know, Adelaide and Gold Coast, he may not win as much in terms of the hit-out count, but he's going to get around the ground and, and certainly find plenty of the footy. So the next month looks really good for him.
0: Uh, on to the next one here, Andrew bracial 157 points. So struggled with a knee injury last few weeks, and he got going, got on his bike on Saturday night. And he was fantastic. Again, 157 points.
1: I warned you, Pete. I said last week uh, I had to get Brayshaw in because he, he bottomed out. He's a yep. hundred was a hundred k cheaper than his starting price, and that was as close as you were going to get to be able to afford him. And he's he's a top eight midfielder. Most people started with him at the nine hundred k mark, so you know near near a million. So to get him in at eight eighty, and then he drops to one fifty seven. Like we're not going to see that every week, but clearly he's back. As you mentioned, the knee injury had probably been a problem for him over the past few weeks. Um, he mentioned in the press that he'd, he'd kind of shaken it off and he was good to go, and, and we saw that against Hawthorne, and it, it could have been so much bigger. I think he was around 130 at three-quarter time. Like, he it it had all the makings of this massive performance like the Tom Green-esque, and, and 157 is still an incredible result. We're not going to see it again next weekend. Uh, I have a feeling, considering what we saw with Nick Dacos today, that Ryan Clark will go straight to Andrew Brayshaw, and, and that'll mean that, he, you know, he's not going to get his high-scoring ceiling that we we can see. But I still think he's worth the investment now because he's going to be, I mean, with his score that he got, his break-even's going to be low. He probably still makes that against Sydney. Uh, and this is it. You know, this is as cheap as you're ever going to get him. And then he's gone. So um, we're seeing one of the premiums get back to his best.
0: So next one here, 161 points from Errol Gordon against Collingwood on Sunday at the MCG. And the Pies just let him go. So he was out in the wing and found a stack of ball. So... Um, it was it was actually a pretty low scoring last quarter there. I think he was around about 150 hits, uh, at three quarter time. So he looked likely to you know ch- potentially challenge 200, but yeah, very low last quarter from him. Uh, again, left alone by the pies on the outside. Uh, great score from him.
1: Yeah, he almost disappeared when Sydney did in that final term. It just felt like Collingwood's final quarter, but. Um, this is the Errol Gordon we were promised in the preseason you know we, we thought this guy had this immense ceiling we just hadn't quite seen it yet he was a very reliable 90 and loved a junk time stat and we was kind of there'd be a lot of games where owners were kind of panicking early on that he wasn't going to get there and he'd always find a way but now he's finally you know blown it off 116 last week 161 this week and um, very good draw Fremantle North Carlton in the next three before the bye in round 12 so yeah now's the time to get on um He's obviously going to get harder and harder to get, but he'll be 800K, I imagine, um, and a top six forward. So, um, yeah, he just feels reliable. I know he's had a couple of 70s, but again, as we've mentioned uh, across the last few weeks, a forward that scores the way that he does is you know, pretty important in a season like this. So, um, yeah, he's one I'll be looking at.
0: And the last one to finish here, 168 points from Jack Sebel. so it's a little bit to unwrap here. Uh, for Jack Siebel, so uh, struggled last week uh, after a bit of a concern there. So he gets through, uh, obviously, concerns with North Melbourne and obviously the players that they had missing through injury uh, from last week. So potentially, you know, who does go forward to present as a forward option for the Kangaroos? And, you know, Aaron Hall then was omitted from that team, which is quite interesting. I'm wondering if Clarko's moving on from Hall there. He got exposed last week. Against Melbourne, and just obviously, um, they just went through his opponent, and obviously, that led to his omission from the team. And as the team started in quarter one, and St. and Harry Schiesel uh, in defence, and you know, Schiesel was quality in the end, he got there with his score, but Jack Siebel just absolutely racked it up from the first opening bounce uh, 168 points from him, and you know, from a From a week that led to some questions being asked to finishing with 168 points, uh, those who own Jack Siebel are sitting quite comfortably tonight.
1: Yeah, absolute chaos. Like you, you, as you mentioned, last week he could have easily made 100, but he misses pretty much an entire quarter for what we thought may have been a hamstring issue. And then you go, Jesus, we're going to miss him for the next two to three weeks, if not longer. Turns out it's plantar fascia, which isn't great, but you know, you can still deal with it. You can play with it at some point. You know, it's going to get too much to handle, but he's going to probably play until the bye with it. So you go, oh, cool, we, you know, he's up for a test, but you'd hope he'd play and maybe he still gets an 80. Um, and then we see this abysmal game that we saw to conclude the round, which was low-scoring, defensive, keepy-off, kind of kick footy, um, and Jack Siebel capitalized, You capitalized, know, plus sixes everywhere to the point where he's on 100 at half time and finishes on 168, and and Sheezal got involved in that as well. And I, I do feel for those who who got off Sheezle um, when he had his low score against the Suns because he he hasn't looked back. You know, he's had the one blemish in what's been an incredible rookie season. And Jack Zeeble, yeah, again, he was very underpriced. And I think his starting price was around the low 500s, and he's going to be pushing towards 800 now comfortably with that score. Um So, yeah, I think you just lock them over with those North defenders because they're not going to win a lot of the footy, and when they do have it, they do try to play a bit of keepy off. So... Um, yeah, great result for Jack Zeeble considering the week leading in and, um, and now you just got to ride the the low break even train, don't you? Because he's you know, the sky's the limit for Jack Zeeble For sure. Well,
0: enjoy your week of planning for trade so where can the listeners find you for the week upcoming, Aaron?
1: Uh, so you can find me at Aaron Bryans on Twitter, and I host SA Grandstand every Saturday at 11 as well. So I think we'll be checking in with the Adelaide Crows this weekend. Um, but uh, Watch my Twitter for any action there. Um, speaking of the Crows, the reason we'll be chatting to them is they play on Sunday against St Kilda, and I'll be calling that game. I think there's only two games on the Sunday because there's a doubleheader on the Friday night. So it should be a national call available to you on ABC Sport and the ABC Listen app. And a big game for both those clubs, really. I mean, Adelaide's been so close to beating some of the top-tier teams, and if they they lose to the Saints at home, I think we start to ask those questions again of if they belong in the conversation, whereas St Kilda as well, you know, didn't really impress anyone with their win over North today. And and again, they since the loss to Port Adelaide, you, you're kind of wondering if, if they are the, the unbeatable side that we saw at the start of the year. So there's a lot on the line on Sunday. I'm really looking forward to it.
0: It's actually a challenging week for Matthew Neeks. As much as uh, the crows have been actually really good, and they've let some opportunities go this year. But yeah, this is a, this is a big week for Matthew Nix um, because Ross Lyon is going to uh, pose a lot of questions with regards to uh, team structure and how they set up. So uh, the Saints will be fully ready for that game. Uh, but yeah, it's a big week to see how Matthew Nix approaches that game. All right, you can catch me at AFL ratings Pete on Twitter, aflratings.com.au. AFR Reading's Twitter account and associated Twitter accounts there for a stack of news. So all the best in your planning for this
1: week, Aaron, and we'll catch you after the end of next week. Thanks, Pete.